You are listening to the Build a Brain podcast with Dr. Jeannie Zare. Join the quest to shape an efficient brain that fires on all cylinders and runs like a fine-tuned machine. You are now in the capable hands of an international presenter and a pathologically optimistic brain builder. Dr. Zaire will give you the right blocks to build that three pounds of cerebral muscle for you, your child, or the young adult you teach or mentor. Block by block, thought by thought, now is the time to build a better brain. Let's get started. Welcome back to Build a Brain. We're going to look at another cognitive skill. We also call them power tools that are so important to build a brain, your own or somebody you care about. So you may be a teacher, you may be a counselor, you may be a mom or dad, you might be a mentor, you might be a very important aunt or uncle. Do you have nieces and nephews, Kibley? I have two nieces and one nephew. Aw, awesome. All right, so you can help build their brain. That's right. Mm -hmm. You're on it. So today we're gonna talk about one that has been called the most important. Isn't that crazy? Because all of these to me seem like just so important, but there was an American psychologist back in the 1890s, and then Reuven Feuerstein picked up on his work. His name was William James. And then Feuerstein picked up on this one, the ability to compare. That sounds kind of simple. But what Feuerstein taught me, and he got it from William James, is that that is foundational to all higher order thinking. You're not gonna go much deeper or higher if you don't know how to seek out similarities and differences. Okay, so Reuven was recognizing with some of the Holocaust survivors that he was looking with that they lacked a spontaneous need to compare. So he used that word spontaneous, a lack of spontaneous need to compare. So I, of course, I've spent 22 years thinking about this. <laughs> and I think I get where he was coming from. If you have to point out the differences between apples and pears, or shopping at the mall compared to shopping online, or buying this car versus this car. If you're working with somebody who really struggles to make good decisions, it's possible they don't know how to compare well. Mm. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Isn't it? Yeah. They say we make a couple hundred decisions a day just about food we're gonna eat. And you're not really taking just a few more seconds. We're not talking about taking an hour, just a few seconds to really look at two choices, whether you're at the cafeteria or you're at home and you're flicking through Netflix, trying to decide what you want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> there, see, don't we get de de decision fatigue, I call it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is, by the end of the day, our brain does get tired of making decisions. That's why we start the morning out and we're on a diet, right? And man, we're just killing it. We're eating everything. We got our green smoothie for breakfast and we walk a couple miles and we go to work and we take the steps instead of the elevator <laughs> and we eat a great lunch, right? But we have a rough day at work. Like a lot of stuff flying at us, a lot of stress, you get home from work and you have that great big green salad, but then somebody put a big old slice of chocolate cake in the fridge and you're going, I've only had a salad. 
So I think I can have the big piece of chocolate cake too. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably because there's a special place in your brain. It's called the right ventral lateral prefrontal cortex. If you just give your right temporal lobe right, you know, right here, just give that a massage next to your eye, that's where it's at. And it's it lights up when you make a, a, a decision to tell yourself, no, I'm not going to do that. My brother really made me mad. I want to hit him, but I don't. That probably lit up. So it tells you no, and that wears out if you've made a lot of choices during the day and you're fatigued, if you've had a lot of stress. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, by the end of the day, it's like everything inside I wanna eat. (laughs) So even young children, I found some research that indicated 18 month old babies, by then we're probably calling them a toddler because they're starting to walk, can compare. They can look at a couple different things and make a choice between two toys or two things to eat. So we want to give even very young children choices that you control. So if you're mentoring a 13-year-old, you could say, well, we could go to this restaurant or this one. They're both in your budget. But you let him make the choice. Well, I kind of want to go to that one. Oh, tell me why you chose that one. That's what we don't do enough of. We don't follow up with, tell me why. Tell me why you chose that one. So think about that as a good, good follow-up, good follow-up. Shopping is a really good place to take young people because you've got to make so many decisions about what to buy. So I highly advocate grocery store, clothing shopping, shoe shopping, even if it's online shopping, being able to look at different products and you've got to have some criterion for what you want. Am I looking for shoes, for example? Shoes are huge, right? So am I going for a dressy pair of shoes because I got a wedding this weekend and I don't have shoes for this wedding and it's a big affair, so I got to look nice and you don't have any shoes. But, oh man, those tennies, I really, really want those. I really want those. Oh, but I'm supposed to be looking for shoes for the wedding. So yeah, Amazon's famous for getting us off track. All the time, right. So when you're with someone that you wanna look at this thinking skill, help them discover similarities and differences and encourage them to do it when you're not there. Because we're back to that word that Feuerstein used, spontaneous. If this person you're working with, a niece or nephew or a student in your class or your own child, if they can only make good decisions when you're around, they're waiting on you know somebody looking over their shoulder. You want them to be out there in the world on their own. We call it autonomous that we develop autonomy within the people that we mentor and we work with, that they have a sense of, I can make good decisions. I am a person that knows what they're doing. And this one, comparing, is a really important one to do that. So you might use language or words related to this thinking skill, such as similarities. What are the similarities? Oh, okay. Tell me what the differences are. 
uh, talk to me about different choices you have or the word decisions. Decisions are a big deal. We make a lot of them during the day. What decision are you going to make? You can teach a three-year-old words like that. But also refresh the memory of a teenager (laughs) that you're working with as well. A really good way to teach comparing is to use strategy games. Here at MindCap, we're thinking we maybe, I should count them someday, I think we have maybe 300. It's crazy. We, we, they're in closets, they're, they're everywhere. That's awesome. It is. And strategy games are the sneakiest way you can help your child or the person you're mentoring to get smarter. And that's what this is all about. We want to build the ability, the capabilities of people we're working with. So when you play strategy games, you're comparing, I watch your move and I think, okay, where do I move next? So our games are usually about 10 to 20 minute. We don't do big board games. We're not into Monopoly, sorry. It's it's okay. Or Risk or all those big board games are fine. But we're trying to play a strategy game where you maybe make only 10 to 20 moves within five to 10 minutes. And, but you gotta compare constantly because I'm gonna compare what you do to what could I do next. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So game playing is awesome. So here's some more questions. What does it mean to compare? Make sure that your kiddo can tell you. How do you know that's a good choice? Yeah, you're getting into their criteria and seeing if they if they've set up their values. Or how do you make your decisions? Like you might get in their head a little bit by just asking that question. Why is it important that we make good choices and what is a good choice? Uh, again, this is all value based. So this is going to be based on how this person was raised, their faith, their culture, but you're gonna learn more about them if you ask a question like that. And then just some simple questions with two things and you say, tell me how they're similar. And usually there's a whole list. I just did this on Monday with a classroom of kids and we did, let me think, we did an apple and grapes. And I bet I got them to come up with six or seven things for how they were similar and another six or seven things for how they were different. These were, I think, third graders. And I, they'd give me one, some kid would give me one, and, and they'd all put their hands down because they thought, oh, okay, there, got the answer. And I'd say, what else? Can you think of another one? What else? Well, then they were all over it. They got excited. You know, everybody wanted to think of the next one. So it made it made it really fun. So this is an important power tool for the brain. So if you want to build a brain, help your person, your child, somebody that you're investing in, help them learn how to compare. And there we go. There's episode number seven of Build a Brain. Thanks for listening to the Build a Brain podcast. If you're wanting more information on how to build a brain, please visit the website for the MindCap Center in Fort Wayne, Indiana at www.mindcap.org. That's www.mindcap.org. Children and adults from across the United States and Canada have found the cognitive help they needed at the MindCap Center. Their specialized team is trained in all levels of the Feuerstein program and can literally help you or your child 
build a new brain. We'll see you next time.